Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Live-ish, with all the excitement and potential of a West Ham European adventure, but with half the expectations realized. It's the Peachtree Post. I'm Jarrett Smith in Smyrna, Georgia, reporting live from Stockbridge is Jason Longshore. Jason, how are you today? Thanks uh, for not cracking up. I'm doing good. Uh, probably better than West Ham fans right now. <laughs> they lost today. Like, a team got embarrassed in Europe and it wasn't Celtic. I'm good, man. Oh, it's coming to you guys. You saw that group, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's... that's. We can never not play Barcelona. They're our best friends. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Barcelona, Man City, and uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The great takeaway was like, event, some, Celtic's going to beat somebody in that group. No one's sure who. They're going to beat somebody in that group at home. And I hope it's like Man City and I hope it costs Man City the second spot in the group. I mean, it's set up perfectly for, for Man City to have another struggle in Europe because they're in a tough group. You know, you get the the sleeper with Mönchengladbach in that group. Like, that, who could that very well evil. could go just steamroll the living hell out of uh, Man City. Like absolutely, like that's not even a joke. Like they could go in there and win like three to one, and Man City like Pep's just looking around like what the hell just happened. Yeah, I think I think Pep's going to get a rude awakening and you know, very shortly. Uh, he was hoping they'd get that Leicester group. Yeah. Oof. Anyway, um, <clears throat> speaking of uh, speaking of German teams, uh, we'll get it started up tonight. Uh, just a rundown. Everything will be going over tonight. You can look forward to it. Have an ATL United roundup as always. Take a look at what's going on in the news. The kids around. Uh, coaching certs. That was a big thing that really popped up late. Uh, U.S. men's roster. U.S. men's national team roster for World Cup qualifiers. Uh, who do we think should be in? Who do we think should be out? Uh, dark horses. That sort of thing. Uh, NWSL in Atlanta because women's soccer hasn't been in the news enough for good and bad reasons and good and bad ways. People talk about it. And then finally, the MLS roundup, and Jason has promised a rant about Seattle, the team that never dies. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, first off, um, the name that got thrown around with Atlanta United a lot, Jason, uh, Bastian Sveinstaga, out of favor in Manchester United, might not be able to run for 90 minutes. Why not come to the MLS like everyone else does? Uh, yeah, it's... I just, I don't know. I'm very conflicted about this one. And I think, you know, I'm probably not alone in that. I, you know, looking no, at the, you're not. looking at the responses on Dirty South, I mean, it's literally like every other comment is yes, no, yes, no. So I, I don't know. Um, fitness is the huge concern. Uh, fitness playing half your games more, including the road games on turf is a concern. Uh, what he brings to the table quality wise, 
you know what you're going to get. He's a, he's a true pro. He would be a great uh, person for the club to build around if he can play enough to justify what would probably be a fairly large salary. Um, that would be the biggest thing to me is the injury concerns, the fitness concerns would make it tough for me to commit to a large designated player salary. And I just don't see how you could get him on a non DP contract. Yeah. If you could do it without DP, go for it. Oh, absolutely. Um, this is, this is one of the things you talked about last night about having a defender uh, spending money on a central back on a center back. <clears throat> about having a guy who, if you want to give a DP to a center back, you know, make sure it's a guy who can be here for four or five years, anchor the line, become that uh, become that, that that building block. If I'm giving a DP contract, I want it to be somebody who's going to be here down the line. And if they're not, I want it to be uh, because they provide an enormous. Uh, financial benefit or you know an opportunity down the line outside of America like a Vijalba situation where uh, you know God knows how long he could be here but just there's a lot of fun involved with what what he's going to bring to the table um, Schweinsteiger is probably still really good but if you're already running the thing that the thing that makes me nervous is you're already running a team out there where uh, there's no guarantee Kenwin Jones is going to go 90 minutes and I really don't like the idea of potentially having to burn two subs in a game, not for tactical reasons, but for fitness reasons. That's not really what I have in mind. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, because Kenwin, you know, is going to be a guy you're going to manage his minutes. Do you want to have two guys that you're going to manage their minutes? And you know, you'd be getting Schweinsteiger on a on a larger contract, which you know, there's the talk about how a roster fits together in MLS and salary cap and how many designated player slots and all that, you know, it becomes a kind of a puzzle. And if you, you have Vishalba as one of your designated players, you can have up to three. And if Schweinsteiger is the other one, then that's, that leaves you with one left. And generally you want your designated players to be a absolute difference maker, either on the field or off or both preferably. And I don't know if Schweinsteiger is a, a clear difference maker in either capacity at this point in his career. I don't disagree. Um, you've talked about guys like Rooney. Everyone has. A guy who is recognizable, sells jerseys, he pops up, people recognize him, people know who he is. And that's great. I don't know that Schweinsteiger is that guy outside of the hardcore fans who follow the World Cup, who follow European football. They're not going to look at that guy and go, yeah, I know him. I mean, they might see the name and it might ring a bell, but that might be about the extent of it. Unless like, you know, Dennis Schroeder starts showing up and just inviting him to the DS-17 lounge all the time and getting him hyped up and getting the city hyped up around him. It's not a thing that sells itself. It, I think if, with your, if you're going to sign a big player like this, an older player... I want it to kind of sell itself. A guy with a name who can sell itself by without you having to do more. Not that you wouldn't do more to sell it, but I want the name to do a lot of the work. Yeah, definitely. Although I do like the idea of uh, Schweinsteiger and Schroeder kind of running the city. That's kind of cool. I could go oh. with that. Yeah, and, and there's always the benefits. I mean, you've got the Atlanta International School. That's um, There's definitely connections there. The, the city is international enough that I think it could work. But there might be other options out there. A number of articles have been popping up about uh, guys. I think it was one on Yahoo to, uh, that was about 
how many agents allegedly have been calling Atlanta United, offering players up, offering deals and this, that, and the other. And uh, Atlanta's just being choosy. Not that they shouldn't be. I mean, I don't mean it in a bad way, but if they're just kind of picking and choosing, you know, what they want, how they want it to fit. And um, I think uh, Carlos is being very very particular about everything and being very careful in the way he structures this. I think he's taking a lot of pride in it from the technical director side. Yeah. I mean, Atlanta is going to be the wild card in, in MLS right now because they're new. They have an owner that will spend money. Um, you know, you look at how Arthur blank has treated the Falcons. They've never been a team that has spent, you know, well under the salary cap. They'll spend as much as they can spend to put out a winner. Um, he's, committed to doing that with Atlanta United. So I see no reason why that wouldn't happen. So you're, you're going to have a situation and Atlanta is becoming a growing international city. So we have more players, more agents are becoming familiar with it and would be intrigued by it. So is Atlanta, you know, New York, is it Los Angeles? No. Um, is it, you know, where Miami could slot in when they have a team, what what Chicago should be if they had a clue. Um, yeah, absolutely. He's absolutely going to go to Chicago. Watch. They're going to burn a DP slot on him. Chicago. Well, hey, they got all the allocation money. They got all the stuff to work with. Uh, if Watch Chicago him. wants to go sign Bastian Schweinsteiger, more power to him. Watch him. They'll go sign Schweinsteiger and run him out there for like 85 minutes a night. He's just, God bless him. He's just trudging up and down the field by the end. Like, Get me off the field, please. I didn't sign up for this. The thing that kind of stands out to me about Schweinsteiger is there was some quite a few different rumors uh, last year before he we went to Manchester United about coming to MLS. I know New York City FC was linked to him at one point before Pirlo signed. Um, I believe the Red Bulls have been linked to him as well. I I just... Teams passed on him last summer, and now he's available again. I just don't know. I think it's too risky. Um, I think it's too risky in Atlanta's situation. I think it could be a different fit with another team where you're fitting into something that's already going on, and he could be what that missing team- piece. What about a team like Minnesota, where you have like a large German population up there, especially? Well, he'd have more appeal. I mean, you, you yeah. get into that, you know, the marketing side of it, and would he have that appeal here? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Would he have it in Minnesota? I think he would. And Minnesota's in a different spot. They don't have a designated player yet. You know, they're they're starting, you know, further back than Atlanta has been. Atlanta's had more time to get this going. Would Minnesota really make a push for him? Yeah. Would Minnesota be as appealing to him if it was a competition? Maybe not. And that's where Atlanta kind of has a leg up over, I think, a lot of teams. And I think Atlanta's going to have more appeal to major international players than people might think. No, I don't disagree. Um, there's plenty of guys. I mean, and it, it, it's such a weird time because all these, I think when we think about you know, guys coming to MLS and we think about names, we think about European players, players that are playing overseas right now. And that's great and all. They're kicking up Champions League. They drew the pot today for group stages. They're not in the mood to leave right now. And if anybody does, it's not going to be until December, January window before that happens. So it's, let's pump the brakes a bit. And, um, you know, especially going forward, if you get into the managerial side of things, which I mean, we'll get to in a second. Um, Right now, managerial thing might be the thing you're looking at as opposed to bringing in a big-name guy. For Schweinsteiger, um, if you want to come to MLS and you find the right right situation, cool. 
Otherwise, dude, go to China. Get the money. Yeah, and it really depends on where he wants to be at this point in his career. I mean, I've I've always looked at the players who have made that jump to either the Middle East or China. Um, it, it's a money grab. You know, I think you come here and it's a more competitive league and it's going to be greater level of competition. You're going to have to work day in, day out. And I think you see the players like a Lampard, like a Gerard, who are older but want to play competitive games. They're going to come here. And somebody like Xavi, who's had a career of competitive games, I think he was over it. He's just done with it. He went to the Middle East and was like, I'm cool. This is where I'm going to be. It, it's different for every player. Um, if and, if you're, you're not fully committed, you don't need to come to MLS because it's a tough league. Yeah, it's a fit. And we've, and we've gone over this before, Jason. It's, it's physically demanding. Like, the game is very rough and tumble. There's a lot of contact. It's a very physical league. But then, as you've mentioned before, it's the old saying in Brit in in America, hundred years is a long time. In Europe, hundred miles is a long way. The travel here will, if you're not used to it, I mean, it, it'll just beat you down. And I've, you know, we've talked about having to get a manager from over there to come over here and get used to that. But players as well, you know, jet lag going from Atlanta to Seattle and back, or Atlanta to Seattle to Chicago to Atlanta, man, that's that's something to adjust to. For sure. Um... I think, you know, we mentioned earlier talking about other European players. Wayne Rooney is definitely somebody to keep an eye on. I think the rest of this fall and going into the winter transfer window, he could be on the outs. I mean, I think things look so look you know so far so good with him in Manchester United. But when you get to that winter transfer window, maybe he's in a different situation and he would definitely be a big splash. Um I think you need to look at, at South America. Uh, one player that you might want to keep in mind is Sebastian Blanco, who is from San Lorenzo, one of Vichalba's former teammates. He was really close to going to Seattle this summer. Um, I believe he was also linked with Montreal at one point this summer. You know, I don't know how you get his rights or who has him between Seattle or Montreal right now. You know, you might have to throw some allocation money to get him. But he would be that wide player on the left side um, on the opposite side from Fischalba. And you're seeing these guys from South America come up here and do well. Uh, Lodero, uh, Valeri, Piatti, you know, and a lot of former San Lorenzo players. So why not take a look at him? He was really close to happening this time. He would potentially be interested in coming. That might be where your next big signing comes from. Unless you would like to drop $20 million for Christian Pulisic, then yeah. Ooh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm sorry, 20 million euro, not even dollars. Um, I am jealous. I I am now jealous of Stokes' money, and I didn't think I'd ever get to that point in life. <laughs> um, another name, uh, just a quick question for you. Um, another name to keep an eye out. Like, let's say he crashes out and falls out of favor in the next few months in Champions League. Okay. Uh, what about Chicharito? If Chicharito is somehow available and you want to cut that check, I couldn't write the check fast enough. Um, he would sell your jerseys he would score goals he would do everything you want out of a major signing i would if whatever i could do to get him i would he would be at every club possible promoting it and <laughs> within the city of atlanta and promoting the club at the, the the soccer club itself not even the nightclubs um yeah i'm Ed. with you i would cut that check before yeah no 22,000 season tickets would look like nothing if they signed chicharito in january oh absolutely i mean this um 
I'd, I'd completely be down for that. Um, anyway, so we'll keep an eye on Schweinsteiger. We'll see what he does, see where he goes. Uh, kick into the academy, though. As you know, Atlanta United's academy, trying to uh, be the best that ever was. And, uh, yeah. It's yeah. off to a good start. <laughs> it's off to a really good start. Um, they had a couple kids go with the U-17s, including uh, who the gentleman who might be... At this point, I'm thinking Andrew, Andrew Carlton in people's eyes... Are be, is becoming the uh, he's becoming the uh, Jacob Eason kind of guy where if he doesn't uh, if he doesn't win two trophies and turn water to wine, then people are going to be disappointed because he just I, went and scored like two goals against Portugal. <laughs> that that was an excellent comparison. I got to give you props on that. Um, yeah, I mean if if you haven't seen the highlights, definitely check these out from the U seventeen game. It's the uh, tournament down in mexico with uh four teams portugal the u.s qatar and mexico and atlanta united had four guys who were picked to the u-17s uh, andrew carlton chris goslin charlie asensio and zion jones and carlton and goslin especially looked really good today uh, carlton had two goals um one was uh, just a great left-footed finish and the other was like one of the, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. Was it the long ball? No, no, it oh. was the, the long ball was sweet too. I'm, I'm just getting into the goals. I haven't even got oh, to yeah. the long Go ball yet. The uh, the free kick. Oh God! You know, you talk about swag, and we've talked about this when it comes to Andrew Carlton and what he brings to the table. If you haven't seen this free kick routine, you have to check it out. Uh, I know Dirty South posted it. Uh, they did the classic like guy acting like he was about to take the kick and then like whenever like he had to tie his shoe and Carlton had overran the ball intentionally. He was the dummy on the first on the, on the kick and then turned around and put it into the near post. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Um, you have to have massive confidence to pull that one off. And he did. Uh, and then the long ball that Jarrett was talking about was, oh my God. Um, he, he just takes it on the left hand side. Just he just takes it, then turns and just punts it like I don't know half the length of the field, right on his teammate's chest, running into the box. Yeah, <laughs> that was a FIFA move. Yeah, pretty much. I don't think I can pull that one off in FIFA. No. Yeah, it was it was uh, a very good display from from Mister Carlton today. I'm. I don't mean to laugh through all of it. I'm just like so tickled that we have this kid who's uh, who's on a homegrown contract who's just just doing things that aren't fair. But whatever. Um, and here's the thing, though. If he keeps doing this, so, you know, the conversation has started with he's on a homegrown contract. He's probably going to be loaned out next year. Um, you know, he just needs to get playing time, get seasoning. He's not big enough to, you know, after today, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> He's gonna start, and it's like, whoa, wait a oh, minute! Oh yeah, he's gonna he's gonna have the captain's armband. He's gonna lead them out the tunnel. Okay, okay, let's um, let's pump that, the brakes in a big way now. No, and you're absolutely right. That's why I made the Eason comparison. Is I feel like the closer we get, the more people really get into things. The more people dive into him and see what he's done and see his age and kind of put all the pieces together. People are gonna get excited. This I don't want it to become like a Freddie Adu 2.0 situation, if that makes sense. Um. I don't want people to get overexcited. As good as he is, we need to temper our expectations about what he's going to be in the next calendar year. Sure, it might be three years down the road, and he's just wreaking havoc and like 
turning the MLS into his personal playground. Maybe that's the case. Maybe it's a little further down the road. Maybe it's sooner. We don't really know right now, but it's it's not doesn't seem really fair right now to expect this kid to come in and, like I said, captain the team and lead you to uh, you to a final. He's not going to be Neymar hitting the last penalty kick in the MLS Cup. Oh, which which was one of the greatest things I've seen in soccer in a long time with Neymar hitting that penalty at the Maracanã. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was immediate. That that was amazing. That that was that's what makes you love this game. So I was I was excited about that. And I'm not a Brazil fan. I'm not an Neymar fan, but that was awesome. No. Um, what you said about Carlton about. I think you want to get excited. I want the city to get excited about Andrew Carlton and what he can bring to the table. I also want the expectations to be reasonable. You know, I've always been of the mind that if he's in the first team next year and if he you know, doesn't go on loan, I would like to see him be, you know, that that sub off the bench. And that's that's where, you know, you go back to Freddie Adu and you look at how Peter Novak especially used him at the beginning and tried to use him in that role as much as he could uh, to not put those expectations on him, you know, not, you know, make him the number 10 and play everything through him when he's you know, 15, 16 years old, you know, bring him off the bench um, in spots where he can, he can have an impact and really set him up to succeed. You know, that's where I would still, you know, like to be with Carlton if you don't loan him to an opportunity where he's going to play, you know, 90 minutes a game in USL, let's say. Yeah. It's 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 finding the balance. Um, and that's going to be for any of the academy kids. You know, what I don't want to see, though, is is the, the overly conservative approach where you're like, oh, well, we can't play this guy. We can't play this guy. And I've seen way too many homegrown players come through MLS and get signed. And they've they've had all the hype coming out of the academy and all the pedigree and then they never play. And then they get released in a few years. And that's the worst thing. Because if you're going to sign the guy, you need to don't waste a homegrown player signing on somebody that you're not actually going to play. And I don't, you know, Carlton's not in that situation. Carlton is a special player and he will be a special player. But look at Dallas. Dallas is not afraid of playing young guys and giving them significant minutes. And if Carlton earns those minutes in training, um, he needs to play. And if, you know, right now for me, you know, without seeing the rest of the roster, I would like to pencil him into that, you know, in the 18 coming off the bench. If he goes beyond that next year, more power to him. And that'd be amazing. Yeah. And I'm great with that. If that's the thing, I just, it, there's a happy medium to me. I don't want people to be too conservative with their expectations. I don't want to be people to be uh, expecting him to, to hang the stars and the moon and the sun all at the same time. That might be more of an expectation, the prior, you know, the former expectation for a guy like uh, Zion Jones, who could be a couple years down the line, a guy who comes off the bench every now and then, who's develops into that guy. Um, not to say that he's not special, but I think you nailed it in that Carlton's a special case. He is. I mean, Carlton, you just see it. He has, he doesn't play like a kid his age, and to be successful you know, as a professional, as a young professional, they don't need to look like a kid and he, he doesn't play like a kid. So he's, he's, he's ready for the challenge. And now it's going to be the time, you know, starting in January when he's training with the first team, it's, it's going to be time to earn that spot and earn that playing time. And I hope he gets the opportunity to do it. Well, we'll hopefully uh, get to see him with that, uh, 
go to, out to practice and watch him with the first team. And when we do that, hopefully we also see who the coach is, because right now we don't know who it is. <laughs> that was nice. Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, anyway, uh, Jason, we don't know who the coach is. That's a reoccurring theme. Yeah, we've we've done this a few times. Um, came back up today after an article on MLSsoccer.com with uh, Sam Stechkall. Uh, he was able to talk to Darren Eels about it a little bit, and the the big takeaways on wh- uh, what Darren said to Sam was, you know, the attacking mentality of the coach is expected. It has to fit with the philosophy of the club. We've known that. You know, they're looking for a coach who, you know, is not afraid to roll up their sleeves because this is a startup and there's going to be a lot of, you know, things to do. Um, that's true. And the one that really jumped out to me was... You know, Darren talked about the importance of MLS experience, but he also said that it's not critical in this hire because they feel like they have a lot of MLS experience around uh, who the coach will be. So, you know, looking at it right now, just in the time frame we're in, I think you're looking at people mostly with MLS experience, but they're not ruling out somebody without it. Yeah. And that, that was where we, you know... A couple of weeks ago, we talked ourselves into Roberto Martinez before uh, before Belgium accidentally shoplifted him. Yeah, yeah, I think um, you know we gave uh, Mr. Twelman a little bit too much credit for that one. That's um, okay. And he, and to his credit, he didn't deserve the uh, the, the 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 maelstrom of Twitter that he got afterward either. No, he never, not at all. He, he he never came out and said breaking news. Sources confirm Roberto Martinez. No, he just. No hinted that this might be a possibility so he uh, hinted at it and i would be very willing to bet that a conversation was had Um, oh yeah because i don't think i don't think taylor would have would have tweeted that out there if there hadn't been a conversation or at least the intention to have a conversation about that it would only be natural that there would have there would be that conversation yeah and um you know if that had worked fine there was an article the other day on Dirty South Soccer, which you should go check out if you don't on a daily basis. You should make that a part of your routine. Do it when you wake up in the morning. It's fun. Do it when you go to bed at night. It's even more fun. There was an article about the uh, the trend of coaches in MLS with expansion teams and, what, and you know coaches just not surviving. Uh, the latest being he, uh, Adrian Heath in Orlando being gone. And speaking of which, uh, the article mentions Heath as a possibility for Atlanta. And we'll get to that in a minute. But... If you had brought in a guy like Martinez, you could have been looking at a situation where you, I don't know, possibly had an intentional situation where he didn't last, where he kind of laid the groundwork, put everything in stride, and then handed it off to somebody else. Yeah, the the expansion you know, teams, and you look back at the history, the last five, uh, their inaugural coach hasn't made it through his second season. Um, you have to go back to Siggy Schmid, and before him, Frank Yollop to find coaches who, who lasted, you know, into a third season. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind. And you also have to look at out of those last five uh, and the last five teams we're talking about here are NYCFC, Orlando, uh, Montreal, Portland, and Vancouver. Those are your last five expansion teams in MLS. And those inaugural hires, only one had MLS coaching experience, and that was Jason Christ. And we know the situation in New York, and I think it's a lot more complicated than some of the other situations. But the other four had, you know, did not have prior MLS experience. Two of the guys, Heath and uh, 
Thor Darson, who was the inaugural coach in Vancouver, came up from the USL with their clubs. Um, it's 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 tough just because it's an expansion team. I mean, I think this is pretty consistent across all sports where expansion teams are a tough road and coaches kind of know that they might not last. Um, looking at those last five, they didn't last. Looking at the two before that, Schmid lasted a long time. And Frank Yala also lasted a long time in San Jose when they had their rebirth the year before Seattle. So it can happen. Um, but I think what we're seeing in MLS in general is ownership groups now are not as patient as they used to be. And it's not to say all of them are. You know, you look at somebody like DC who has stuck with Ben Olsen through some rough times as well as some decent times. Um, You've seen it in some other cases. Philadelphia has given Jim Curtin time, and I think they're being rewarded for that now. But you've also seen situations like Montreal, who's went through quite a few different coaches. Uh, There's others where, you know, Thor Darson um, in Vancouver to start that team, he only lasted three months. I mean, these things happen. New York, you know, made a move after one year of Christ, which was not awful, but so-so. So I think there's a lot more pressure in the league now from ownership groups. And I would think Atlanta could fall somewhere in the middle. You know, we've we've had this conversation just in general about the Falcons and, and how Arthur Blank has treated the Falcons. And, you know, I think he is definitely an owner who would be willing to give somebody time. Um, and I would probably think that's more of like an organizational value at this point. So I would assume that you know, Darren Eels and Boca Negra and, and Paul McDonough would be the same. I, I don't think they're looking to hire somebody and telling them they have to win a trophy in the first year. I think they're willing to give them two to three years. And that's fair. Um, that's, I think that's perfectly fair. And, and you know, I, Blank's going to be in that mindset. He wants to win. He didn't put this team together just to have Atlanta as an MLS team, just on principle alone, he wants to win. So it, yeah, it doesn't have to be a trophy the first year. You don't have to go out and get the treble. You don't have to go out and do whatever. I mean, you don't, it doesn't have to be amazing, but he's going to want to win. And I think the biggest, uh, the biggest yardstick that's going to be used for measuring a measuring stick is not going to be the first year. It's going to be the difference between the first year and the second year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think they're they're looking for progress. You know, it's not going to be you have to win something year one, um, but they definitely you know don't need to stink out loud either. So it's going to be finding that balance. And I think as long as there's progress, and I think as long as things are heading in the right direction, you're going to you know have the support here to grow. So it's not going to be a New York City situation. Um, it's not going to be Montreal when they came in and Jesse Marsh actually had a a pretty decent first year in Montreal and they still made a move. Don't think it's going to be like that. No. Um, but as far as names mentioned in the article, you can still check it out. MLSsoccer.com. It's actually on the front page. Um, there's a picture, if I'm not mistaken, of Arthur Blank. So that makes yes. it easy to find. But uh, the first name mentioned is the one that a lot of people mention. It's Josh Wolf, local guy working under uh, Burhalter right now. Oh, so, which, by the way, they're in the basement. So that's yeah. Thing. That one's not helping as much as it did after last season. Oh, <laughs> um, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's not. But Josh Wolf, the first name, really mentioned there, and that's what a lot of people keep coming back to. And uh, I've lost track of how many times we've gone round and round with people on this discussion in a good way. I don't mean that, that condescending way. That 
he doesn't really have first team experience. Does that bother you? Are yes. you okay with that? It bothers me. Um, and he's the name who stands out without that first team experience on the list. And you know, let's 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 be clear that you know Sam in the article says that you know he this is you know speculation. He he doesn't have anything to go on with the the six people. I think six, yes, yeah, six that he mentioned in the article. Um, but let's let's go through the list. You know, Wolf is the one who stands out, who has been an assistant, no head coaching experience. Adrian mm-hmm. Heath, we've talked about multiple times. We kind of know where that stands. You have the connection with McDonough. Um, Wolf does have connections with Boca Negra. Uh, they both played together on the national team. They played together in Chicago. So then you have two current MLS assistants who have had head coaching experience that went okay, um, or one of them went okay. Robin Frazier, who is in Toronto, uh, an assistant under Greg Vanny, they were in the opposite roles at Chivas USA in 2011 and 12, and it did not go well. Um, I remember that 2012 Chivas team especially, they got they struggled more the second year with Frazier than they did the first. They ended that season with uh, on a 14-game winless streak. Wee. And it seemed like he was really struggling. He seemed like he was really kind of throwing things at the wall, trying to figure it out and just getting nowhere. Like, lineups were really strange. It was, it was really odd, and that's always stuck with me uh, when it comes to him. Dennis Hamlet is the other assistant. Uh, who was an assistant while Bocanegra was in Chicago. He's an assistant in New York now. Uh, he hasn't gotten another opportunity um, after his head coaching time, so he could be one to look at. And then the other two are Giovanni Savarese, who I've mentioned a few times, uh, yeah. head coach of the Cosmos. Uh, no MLS head coaching experience, but he has two NASL titles in New York. And Steve Trondolo is kind of the wild card, who is an assistant uh, in Germany now and played with Bocanegra for a long time on the national team. That 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 actually made my eyes kind of my eyebrows kind of pop up, like oh oh I, did, I never even thought about that. So that that'd be interesting. I've I've heard you know that's come up a couple times. A few people have mentioned it. Um, he would totally be that that's my fault. Then. Well, it's it's just it's been kind of under the radar, and he's another one who. He doesn't have the head coaching experience. You know, he'd be like Wolf in that regard, and he doesn't have MLS experience because he, you know, played in Germany. So I, he would. I think he needs more time. I think he has less coaching experience than Wolf, and that would just be asking a lot to start your career like that here and not. You know, Wolf at least knows the league and knows the lay of the land. Chirondolo doesn't. Out of this list, I'm still probably the most excited about Savarese. I've just been impressed with what he's done at the Cosmos, and I think he he brings a very unique set of experience, you know, to the table here. Uh, Hamlet, I would like to you know kind of do a little more research on and go back and look at some of the his teams and try to get a sense of the style of play. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at with this list. You know, nobody that was a huge shock on it, but I just I don't know. I don't know what's next. Uh, Pep Guardiola next year. <laughs> he has to go somewhere else. He has to continue the trek. <laughs> His migration. Oh. His migration takes him west across the ocean. I think Mourinho ends up in MLS before Guardiola. <laughs> Even better. 
I think Mourinho ends up with the U.S. national team before anything else, though. That's that. That's my crazy bet of the day. Well, his name is not Jurgen Klinsmann, so people would support that. I would support that at this point. Hashtag fire Jurgen. Um, speaking of the U.S. national team, Jason, that was, that was a good job, buddy. Nice work, because U.S. Men, U.S. men's national team World Cup roster is next on the radar. Um, I absolutely did that by accident, but I'll take it. Yeah, don't don't admit that. Uh, just just own it. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, World Cup roster, U.S. men's national team. It's getting interesting because, uh, as many of you know, and if you don't, you're about to learn. And trust me, ask someone, and they will give you a thesis on this. the uh, the first The first few games didn't go as planned for World Cup qualifying. No, it didn't. And I, I've heard just so many people being like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. We're fine. We're fine. And I mean, we should be. But in this group, we shouldn't be in second place. And we shouldn't be, okay, we need some results in these last two games to get to the hex. We just shouldn't be in this situation. Um, that's... You know, but that's been the run of Mr. Klinsman. A lot of we shouldn't be here, but we are. Yeah, and um, a lot of wow, that game was great. Totally ignoring the greatest goalkeeper performance of all time. Wow, we almost beat Belgium. Yeah, and yay, we won some international friendlies. Yay, we you know our our subs were really good, and they were the fifth and sixth and seventh subs that you don't get in a competitive game. But anyway, <clears throat> yeah, but um. Anyway, so enough about the coach. There's plenty of places to hear about that. You want to hear about the coach? Oh, you just throw a coin down and follow whichever way Washington's head is pointing. You'll find one. Um, we can do that later. Uh, the rosters, though. Um, who should be in? Who should be out? Yeah, well, it's it's tricky. Let's let's talk about the situation we're in at this point. So we, we have two games left in the semifinal round, and we start at St. Vincent in the Grenadines and then at home to Trinidad, uh, September 2nd for the first one, September 6th for the second one. Uh, we do not want to be in a must win situation in that Trinidad game. We don't want that to happen. You don't want your world cup livelihood to come down to that game. You don't want to see Kenwin Jones break the hearts of the U S soccer public. (laughs) Kenwin Jones header from the edge of the box, looping it. Over somebody's ah. hands into the top corner in the 87th minute. <laughs> yes, we do not need that. We do not need that at all. So we should get the win in St. Vincent. And, you know, I would like to think that that is, I mean, you don't want to say it's a foregone conclusion, but it should happen. And then in a perfect world, Trinidad either wins or draws at home against Guatemala that night. And then it's it's settled going into the last game. The U.S. and Trinidad are going through. That's what we want. We don't want to get into a must-win game in that last one because Guatemala plays St. Vincent in the last game, and you would expect they would win that. Weird so, things can happen though in those last games. You don't. It, you don't. Yeah, you're right. You don't want to leave it to fate. You don't want to. You want. You, we want everything to happen. We want to get the win clearly in St. Vincent. So I've heard some talk. You know, like, oh, well, let's let's mix and match. Let's play some different guys in St. Vincent. No, let's get the win. Let's get three points and not mess around with us. But you know what's going to happen? We're going to mess around. Yes, probably. And <laughs> exactly I, what's I happen. might throw things and riot. And I, I apologize in advance. <laughs> if you see Jason in public, just, just uh, I don't know. Um, stay out of his way yeah <laughs> it, could, it, could, it could be ugly so so let's go through what what the roster could and should be we'll kind of go through position groups um 
I mean, goalkeeper is probably one of the easier ones. Uh, it's Brad Guzan. It's Tim Howard. The number three could be quite a few different people. For me, it's Bill Hamid. I think Bill Hamid is still the guy that I look at for the future. Um, there's a lot of uh, Ethan Horvath, who is with the U23s. I think Hamid has the most upside. I would take him as your three, but it really doesn't matter who you take there. Yeah, your your threes. He's not going to see the. He's not going to see the actual field probably. Now here's the question for you, and I, I've heard this in different ways from different people too. Who's your starter, or do you have one? Do you rotate, or do is it Guzan? Is it Howard, or do they each get a game? Um. Oh God, because see, I don't know, because I don't want to say like they each get a game and I'll just pick a game for them. No, because then that feels like messing with the rosters. When I want to win, um, you know, I might go with Tim Howard just because I want that win. And uh, I just have like this terrifying image of a bomb scare where Gruzan gets completely caught in no man's land at some point. So, uh, see, I would be the opposite. I would, <clears throat> I would play Guzan, and he would be my guy in both games. Um, and I couldn't doubt you for that. Like, honestly, you, I would buy an argument with either guy right now. You need to. I think Guzan is the guy. I don't think Tim Howard is the guy in a long term perspective. So I think you need to give him all the confidence in the world, and you know you should come out. Klinsman likes to wait to the last minute to announce the roster. You know, you saw Trinidad announce theirs today. Uh, you've seen others come out already. Klinsman will probably wait till Sunday, probably late in the day. Um, when he announces it, I would say Brad Guzan is my number one. He's going to start both games and because he needs that. that confidence. I think he needs to he needs to know he's the guy. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. If it goes that way, cool. If it goes Howard, fine. But I I would like it to be one guy. That guy's the starter, and if either I way, would, it's fine. Um, I would too. I don't like the back and forth deal. No, no, no. I don't want him to not have a rhythm, especially if God forbid something goes wrong in that first game. I especially don't want to have somebody unsure between in the in goal in a must win game with Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah, definitely. I I, I don't want to be in that spot. Which, if you can't beat, if you lose to St. Vincent and the Grenadines and ended up in that spot, then you have problems beyond that. But that's a different story. Yeah. <clears throat> so, center back. Um, well, it's funny, the back line in general, it, there's, you know, I think you can write in four guys and pretty heavy pencil at this point. You know, Brooks, Cameron in the middle. I really regret not buying that John Brooks jersey after the Ghana <laughs> game. Now, like, I didn't do it, and then he kind of had a really bad year, and I was like, oh, maybe I'm vindicated by not doing it. And then he turned into John Brooks, and now yeah. I feel bad. Yeah. This has been an emotional roller coaster for me. He's definitely automatic at this point. Oh, yeah. In and out wide, uh, Fabian Johnson and DeAndre Yedlin. I think I think he, those are your, your four. Um, if there's a question in any of those four, I think Cameron could be because he's not starting right now at Stoke. Um, you've got Steve Birnbaum, who's definitely been in the mix and been playing well with DC. The guy that, you know, wasn't involved this summer, who I think should get called back in is Omar Gonzalez. He's played very well in Mexico. I was going to beat the Omar Gonzalez drum if you didn't do it. Yeah, Um, he's he's been very uh, good. With, uh, with Beesler's injuries and, um, Orozco just doing whatever the hell it was he was doing. Um, 
I'd be fine bringing uh, bringing Omar Gonzalez in to kind of shore up that back line. Give yourself options. Um, not necessarily to say, will he start? Will he start? But give yourself options on the bench. The guy who is in form, especially. I think Gonzalez could start. I mean, if it's Brooks and Gonzalez, I'd be fine with that. Um, I think Cameron's, you know, earned it over over time, and he should probably keep it for now. But if he, you know, has lost his spot and he's not going to start at his club, then you might need to start looking at a change. Um, Orozco still could be a guy who's in the mix just because of his versatility. He's playing at, at right back a lot with Tijuana right now, so. You get kind of a two-for-one deal. If you bring him in, he can play on the right. He can play in the middle. He gives you some flexibility. And as you're looking at, you know, deep in the roster, that can come in handy. Um, other outside backs to look at. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of Timmy Chandler, but he, you know, is he is what he is. He'll be there. He'll be there. Possibly. Um, the two guys he, I would like will, to will, see. He will be the Nick Marcakis of this team. Oof. It's not really over the top. It's not really flashy. He'll be there. Um and that's that's what you're going to get out of him. It might be, it, yeah. I don't like it. Um, the, the two outside. Well, I don't backs. like. I don't like Fabian Johnson at left back, but we don't get our wishes, do we? Well, you know, if you want to do it right, then you play Jorge Villafania at left back because well, he can't even get a call up, but he should be the left back because he was very good with Portland last year, and he's been very good in Mexico. He should be in the squad. And if you want to really get crazy, Keegan Rosenberry from Philadelphia should be in the squad. Woohoo! Those are your two outside backs that should be in the mix. Oh, it's a party now. Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, right back, um, Yedlin is DeAndre Yedlin is DeAndre Yedlin. So he's he's the guy now. He's really stepped up. He's absolutely stepped up. I, you know what? I kind of got nervous, and I gave him all the credit in the world for just solidifying everything. Yep, in, I'm, in I'm completely very comfortable with him now. So if your back four is as expected, uh, Johnson and Yedlin wide and Cameron and Brooks in the middle, I'm cool with that. By the way, I just pulled up MLS Soccer's, uh, just out of curiosity of what they had to say, I pulled up MLS Soccer's little write-up about this. The last person on their uh, wingback thing is Keegan Rosenberry. Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely pushing his way into the conversation. Um, I'm not sure if they'll they'll take the shot on him now or if they'll bring him into the January camp. That's usually where they bring in guys in that situation. I would bring him in here. Um, I think he's he's been very, very good for Philadelphia this year, and he's a guy to look at for the future. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's see. Uh, moving to the midfield. Okay, so you don't have Michael Bradley in the first game. Uh, out. Oh, that's right. Yep. Oh, dang. So that gives Perry Kitchen, I think, the game. In my opinion, um, I've always, I've always liked Perry Kitchen. I think he's, he's a very good understudy to Bradley. I think he's a, a similar type of player. Um, I, I think Kitchen deserves more of a shot at the national team level, and I, I hope he gets it here. I hope he has a good first game. Yeah, the only uh, thing that's he, he's going to catch flack for playing for Hearts, and that's because Scotland is a tire fire of a league, and people the, are going to. But in the position it. he plays, I think it's it's not a bad place for him to be. You know, if you're talking about 
you know, a number 10 playing in Scotland, okay, then that's a different conversation. But a holding mid playing in Scotland, I think that's that's okay. I think it's going to, you know, he's going to get good experience there. I think it's a good stepping stone for him. And I think he deserves the shot. Uh, it it wouldn't shock me if you see, you know, Kyle Beckerman, Jermaine Jones, Alejandro Bedoya, some combination of them and Kitchens just on the bench. Only, um, if, only if Bedoya can tweet while he's playing. <laughs> yes yes if alejandro bedoya can take over the u.s soccer twitter for a oh, game God. that would be the greatest thing ever <laughs> you know you think hope solo caused some problems Woof. son we're gonna have some fun now yeah <laughs> um, um all this by the way is dependent on whatever the hell formation cleansman comes out with yeah i mean he might he might play five holding mids i have no idea I hope he does just to spite everybody. <laughs> he could play a four three two one with five holding mids, and everybody's just like, "What? Really? This is happening?" Um, he could put seven in the midfield, have five people hold, and have two wing backs to play box to box. For all we know, there's no telling when it comes to Mister Klinsman. Um, so center mids, the other two wild cards, uh, Lyndon Gooch. I think you have to look at him just because he's he's doing well at Sunderland. He's 20 years old. He could play for Ireland, so you get into the cap-tying situation. Um, might be a good time to bring him in. And Kellen Acosta at Dallas is somebody who has been solid and another versatility-type guy. You know, He's played some at left-back uh, with the U23s in the past. He's, to me, a box-to-box guy. Um I would like to see him get some time sooner rather than later. And as much as I've been a huge fan of Kyle Beckerman and what he brings to the table, I would start to move on now. And I think you have some players who can allow you to move on from Beckerman. And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but I kind of would put Graham Zussi in the same category. And not, not, not to permanently move on, but I don't you just, just hang out over there, sir. I'm not there yet on ZC. I think ZC can still bring some things to the table, but he needs to do it more consistently at the club level. Oh, um, I, I wouldn't do a disservice to Rob without saying mixed discal rude. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I didn't say it, Rob. That was him. Um, no. <clears throat> anyway, um, yeah, we'll move on. Get out to the wings. Uh, look at uh, guys out on the wing. Jossie's artist, Darlington Nagby. I mean, there you go. Hello? Hey, I'm back. I think you hey. said mixed disc screwed and broke it. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Keep that in there because that is, <laughs> that is what happened. You mentioned mixed disc screwed and everything went silent on my end. That about sums it up. Oh, <laughs> uh, Anyway, right wings... <laughs> guys on the right um jesse's artist arlington nagby what else uh i mean that's about it um i like zardis a lot more up top but you know that's again cleansman's gonna play where play you where he wants to play you and sometimes that's not in your best position so zardis is probably gonna be out wide i, I like fair, nagby better central too so to both fair, of them are out of position that's an american tradition sir because Crystal Dunn didn't need to be playing on the right either, probably. Oh, that's a good point. Technical directors, man. That's what they do. Uh, um, 
So those are guys you can look forward to. Um, Pulisic getting a call up? Uh, he, he should. Um, I mean, to me, he starts. I would just. I would again. I mean, you know, he's he's a kid who's earned this time, and he's he's showing it. So play him. There's nothing to be afraid of. Um, the other other guy I would like to see get a call, and I think it's time to do it, is Tommy McNamara. Yes. Please. Tommy McNamara brings some things to the table that you don't have anybody else in the player pool who who does. You know, he is absolutely unpredictable, and he needs the call. You know, I would he would be that attacking, you know, change of pace off the bench, and that I, w- I would call him. He would be in. He would be in my squad. Uh, and I have to address this because if I don't, somebody will eventually ask because uh, because he is who he is. But uh, no, I'm not taking Julian Green. No, uh, I'm not quite there yet. Um, you know, you talk about having to show it at the club level, and that means in competitive games, not in friendlies, not in you know the summer preseason games. And while I'm a lot more excited about Julian Green than I have been, I'm not there yet. Yeah. Um, as far as spearheading the attack, if it came down to it, and you really kind of like, if you if you just played three up front like a like two wings and then a center and then you know, like a true number nine uh bobby wood or clint dempsey as a true number nine it's it's bobby wood um or josie altador as your your options there dempsey can can play in a few different spots depending on how you're set up um but i i don't like dempsey as a number nine i think if to get the most out of that type of shape it has to be somebody like Wood or Altador. And and Josie has looked really good since coming back to Toronto. Absolutely. Uh, the question would be, and and Brian Dunseth made a great point today on counterattack on Sirius XM that, you know, is is Altador coming back into the team for this and does he does he play immediately? There is a bit of a question, you know, if he's gonna come in and be on the bench, is that best for his you know, recovery from injury, or does he really need to keep playing? Does he, would it be better for him to stay at Toronto and play and train every day than to come to the national team and be the guy off the bench to Bobby Wood? And that does go into, I think to this, this decision on the roster. Um, If he's left off, that would probably be the reason that the medical teams have decided to keep him with his club for now until he's 100% fully all the way back. But man, he's looked good in the time he's been back with Toronto. Now, and to be fair, the last uh, last time we saw US, they played a four four two, so it'd be two up front. So you could like have Wood and Dempsey up front, or you know Altidore up there as well. And it doesn't have to be just like a true number nine playing up front, sure, or anyone playing a false nine or getting cute because I really don't want them getting cute. <clears throat> not not at this point. No, I think it's I think it's definitely right now the way they've played over the summer it's it's Dempsey with either wood or Altador. The question would be if you could get to a point where it's Altador and wood, is that a possibility? It could be. Uh, I I think wood could be either wood or Altador could be more of a second forward than they typically are. I think they can play the target, but they can also be that second forward and you kind of have the option of, them trading off who the target is. And that can sometimes with the right chemistry can be a challenge for a defense. Yeah. So, um, anyone we, uh, well, Oh, here's a couple names we missed. I'm thinking of, uh, since we're on forwards, uh, Jordan Morrison, uh, Aaron Johansson. 
Johansson, I gotta see him get healthy. Um, just well, Johansson you know. should just played for Iceland. He missed it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I wonder if he regrets that. Um, he's he's just had such terrible luck with injuries. He he oh, has absolutely. to get healthy. Uh, Jordan Morris, I would bring him in. I think he's playing with confidence right now. I would definitely bring him in, and he's your you know your speed guy off the bench. Only um, if he can bring Nicholas Ladero with him. Well, that one's not possible, unfortunately. So you just have to hope that confidence carries over. But I would, I'd bring him in. Yeah, I'd be down with all that. Um, so that's quite a quick look over. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, we'll kind of get an idea going forward, and we'll readdress all this as we, um, as we kind of see the roster, roster, Jason. Then we'll make our, uh, arm, our armchair comments at the time. Yeah, I mean, next week we'll talk more about that that first game. Yeah. With uh, well, we'll talk more about both games coming up, but we'll be right before the St. Vincent game. So this I'm is fun. Sure, we'll have plenty of things to talk about. Uh, yeah. Uh, so getting back local for a quick minute. Uh, NWSL in Atlanta. This got brought up. It got brought up a bit last week, and it got brought up in the ATL soccer chats on Wednesday nights, which are now on Facebook Live. So you're you're running out of reasons not to be a part of this. Everyone's on Facebook. Don't pretend you're not. Um, NWSL in Atlanta. Also, we had someone suggest we talk about it. Thank you. Uh, there's a Fox Sports article that was covered on Dirty South Soccer about the idea of expanding into Atlanta, Jason. Um, does this work going forward? I think it does. Uh, I think the question is, again, I think it works if, if it's Atlanta United and Arthur Blank making it work. Um, I don't know if it works as an independent team. Uh, what's been on the table with the Atlanta vibe who have been chasing a team for a little while now. I don't know if the NWSL is excited about that possibility because they've, they've pushed it off at least once, um, when they expanded to Orlando this year, but not here. So I I just wonder if they're kind of waiting on Atlanta United and blank to, to make it happen. So, I think it works in that sense. Uh, there's definitely some questions and, you know, when would it make sense? I don't think it makes sense immediately. I think you want to get the Atlanta United brand, you know, off and running first. And then you look at, you know, how Orlando's made it work and how Portland and Houston have made it work. And by the way, those are your top three NWSL teams when it comes to attendance. And those are the teams with MLS involvement. So, I think it shows that that is the route to success because you just have the infrastructure. You know, you already have things built in. If you're coming from an MLS team, you, you have a training facility, you have a sales staff, you have, you know, you have a ticket database, you have things already there and you're not starting from scratch. So to me, that's the way to make it work. The other question would be, where do they play? You know, do you have them play at the Benz? Um, Portland plays at Providence Park. Houston plays um, at uh, what is Houston Stadium's name? I always forget it. I think it's changed a couple times. It's not Minute Maid Park. I almost wanted to call it that. The land where the land where public zoning went to die. Yeah, pretty much the bright orange stadium. Um, that's that's where Houston plays. So uh, Orlando um, does Orlando play at Camping World right now? If I'm not mistaken, they do. The pride, do? So. okay, um, and so. they'll they'll be in their own smaller stadium next year, so that'll make more sense. Would Atlanta play at the Benz? I don't know. And if they didn't, then where would that be? And we've had this conversation when it comes to a USL team and Open Cup games. Where would you have these games? 
I don't know right now. No, neither why. And that's um I think you nailed it in that if if I'm the NASL going for or NWSL going forward, excuse me. Um I'm looking at affiliations with MLS teams just because of the success it's brought with the teams that are affiliated. So I mean I'd absolutely be down for that mindset of going forward, like you want to start a team. We would strongly recommend you partner with the MLS. We would strongly recommend it partner with the MLS team in the city if that is at all possible. Because I mean, it's been working. Yeah, I mean, this, the numbers don't lie. It's it's been no. the best way to succeed. Um, there you just I think there also has to be real. You have to be realistic about the expectations about attendance. That it's going to be less. Um, you know about you know. I don't know. I got. I don't know. Maybe getting stars in there to play. Uh, the and we're seeing it right now. One of the one of the concerns I would have is um, we're seeing this with Carly Lloyd. Not just to pick on her, but the idea of players not showing back up for the their NWSL club team when that's a huge draw. That's a huge issue, and that's something the league has to to handle better. Um, you know, you saw that first game back after the Olympics, and it was Washington and Houston, and Allie Krieger is the captain for the Washington Spirit, and she, of course, she did not play in the U.S. last game in the Olympics, so let's let's make that clear. But she was back, and she played for Washington in their first NWSL game back. Carly Lloyd still has not come back to the team, and I don't think she's back until... I don't even think it's this week. I think it's next week. So... Then she's going to turn around and be gone again because they're they're playing friendlies. They're playing a friendly here. Exactly, and to me, that's that's not okay. So if if I'm the if I'm looking at things to make the NWSL better, one would be better cooperation with the federation and the national team program. And I don't know why that's not already there because the federation is really spearheading this league this time, and that's why it's been more success, successful. So that's an issue. Um, and I just, you know, it's different. It's, you know, people, we've talked about, you know, the salaries and they need to be higher and this and that. Um, it's not as simple. It's not the WNBA. It's not a situation where the MLS teams or the Federation just has the money to subsidize it and and treat it somewhat like a charity. Um, I think the the WNBA has is starting to cross that line a little bit to where teams can be more viable on their own, but not in every situation. And they wouldn't have ever gotten this far without the NBA committing on that investment. And MLS just isn't there yet from a money perspective. And you know you don't know when that's going to be the case. So it has to be treated like a business. And part of that is you know being fair to your customers and. If I'm a Houston Dash season ticket holder, I'm pissed. Yeah, absolutely. I am too. If and I'm not even a season holder, season ticket holder for it, but I want this league to be successful. You know, we've seen two iterations of, you know, women's professional soccer in Atlanta fail. It's awesome the idea of having another one come here. I get really excited about that. There's a lot of talent from Georgia on that national team already and uh yeah, also as we kind of like hook this into it kind of around the bend we just had another person get called up uh with uh, rose chandler called up to the u20 national team i mean there's tons of talent here that could just filter right into that system be a lot of fun to watch and i mean 
I, I really want it to be successful. And I think they're getting to the point where they can get more aggressive and more bold with saying like, no, we're, we, they're coming back. We're going they to treat to come it. Back in- they need to treat it like a competitive situation. And that's, yeah, it, this is, this isn't just a, this isn't just a practice league where they're trying to stay in shape. This is competitive. Exactly. And that's, that's the biggest thing to me for professional women's sports is it, it has to be treated as a business, as a, competitive sports league and not as a marketing tool, not as, you know, a thing for kids. It, it, it's not going to succeed that way. It's going to succeed when we're talking about, you know, did you see that move Tobin Heath pulled off? Did you see that on sports center? Did you see that great game where, you know, Alex Morgan had a hat trick? Did you see Megan Rapino do this? That's when it's going to succeed. And it's going to succeed on the sport. And the sport being at the center of it, and it's it's the same with the men to me. I I, I want to see soccer sold on soccer, and the women's game can absolutely be sold that way. It just people need to be reasonable. People need to look at it for a long term play here. It's not gonna you know you're not gonna come in and have forty thousand people a game right off the bat. But if you can structure the financials to where you can make it work on 10,000 a game attendance at home, I think that could be possible. Yeah. And I think you would, uh, I think you'd get plenty of people who were already invested. Uh, like I said, you said 22,000 season ticket holders for Atlanta United. Mm-hmm. If you get half of those to say, yeah, sure. I'll go watch uh, NWSL, even just walk up tickets. And then people just walking up to watch. And that's it's, where I think it's one kind of starts to sell the other. And that's that's where I think you've seen Portland really have a ton of success where, you know, it is a linked atmosphere where you have the the Timbers and you have the Thorns and both teams are part of the same club, but both teams also have their own identities. That's what you would want to see here. And it can be successful and it can work. It just it has to be done right and it has to be treated seriously as a competitive club yeah and um you know we'll we'll keep up on this because the story is always going to be evolving with the nwsl as they get more aggressive with the way that they run their own league in a good way to say we need to be we're going to be taken seriously because we're a professional league this isn't a practice league this is where people are going to play this game professionally um it'll keep evolving and we'll keep coming back to it as often as need be as things keep evolving. And hopefully, you know, hopefully that I'd love to see in the next calendar year, Atlanta United not start playing necessarily just because that'd be really soon to do so. But to lay the groundwork and say in a couple of years, NWSL, NWSL team, once you've really kind of put a foothold with the uh, Atlanta United FC fan base. Yeah, in a perfect world, you see, you know, as early as 2018, but maybe more likely you're talking 2019 or 2020, that Atlanta United has a women's team on the field. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. Um, And, you know, hopefully that comes to fruition. And, you know, the league will grow between now and then. It's not going to be stagnant. It's not going to be the same thing you see now. It's going to grow with talent. It's going to grow with cities and teams. And, uh, you know, what, what's going to be really interesting by then is the relationship between the NWSL and the Federation. And uh, at that point, by the way, that's right around the next World Cup. So 
that could be a hell of a time to get going with it. Yeah, it'd be a um, perfect timing to launch in a World oh, Cup year. So absolutely. Anyway, um, as we kind of we kind of wrap that up, kind of uh, come around the last home stretch here, uh, Jason. The MLS had a lot of um, midweek games, and then it is just like rivalry palooza. Also, um, you had you had thoughts on Seattle. Speaking of midweek games, so you have the floor. Okay, so for the the midweek games, I have four things to say about what happened uh, Wednesday night. Uh, I'll save Seattle for last because I don't want to blow a gasket. Um, San Jose, New England uh, was awful. Those teams, I mean, both of them needed points, and it was just a just boring zero zero nothing. I worry about both of those teams even staying in the race at this point. Philadelphia made a huge statement, big win on the road in Columbus. Uh, Bedoya coming into that team has kind of made them legit. So Philadelphia looks to be, looks like they've kind of settled the ship. They, they got a little rocky there for a minute, but I think they're going to be okay. Uh, we talked about Altidore and Toronto. Uh, that was a huge win for them uh, in Orlando. Orlando's defense just isn't good enough. Uh, Altidore scored. Uh, Toronto's signing this summer, uh, Toussaint Ricketts. Very big signing. And it's it's not a huge name. It's not Ladero. It's not, you know, he's not as obvious in what he's bringing to the table. But big signing for them. And Toronto, you know, took top spot in the East. And they're a, an MLS Cup contender now. Absolutely. Um now we get to Seattle. I think Seattle made a huge mistake strategy-wise last night. They left Clint Dempsey and Chad Marshall at home. Uh, they were away to Houston. They were looking ahead at the trip to Portland on Sunday and left two players at home and barely got a point. Ladero scored in the 94th minute with, I think there were it was four minutes of stoppage time. I think he had about 20 seconds to spare. Yeah, if they had cleared the ball, that'd have been it. Yeah, um, they should have went for all three points in this. You know, if you look at it on paper, which game is more winnable at Houston or at Portland? It's at Houston. You know, I think you need to go for the three points there when you can get them. I know you're worried about minutes, and you don't want you know to to wear down Dempsey, and you don't want to wear down Marshall. Well, you're going to be missing Dempsey with the national team. It's shortly anyway. I think you count on him for both games. I think, you know, the the back line, Marshall, you might have been able to get away with. But it just sends a message that you are taking this game less seriously. And Seattle doesn't have any games to take less seriously. They don't have that no. luxury. So I now, granted, they're one point out of a playoff spot, but you're absolutely right. Because it's a you lose one game here. There is there are uh for those who don't know, there are two points that separate a playoff spot from second to last in the West. Yep, you can't punt points in Seattle situation anymore. You know, if you're you're towards the top and you've had a good season so far and you're looking at those games, you can manage minutes a little bit. Sure. You cannot do it when you're in Seattle situation. So, I think that was a huge miscalculation and if they end up a couple points short of making the playoffs, Look back at this week, and that will be why. Yeah, I don't think that's a I don't think that's an unfair thing to say by any means. 
Uh, anyway, um, quick look at the standings from the MLS this week. And, oh yeah, like he said, Toronto FC's in first place. How'd that happen? I don't know. New York City better watch over their shoulder, though, because they're only four points clear of uh, Red Bulls. And, um, yeah, that... That could uh, that could go south. It's depending on it's going to be a battle. The East is you know a three way fight now. Um, I think Toronto has has really established themselves though, and I don't. I, I think they're the best of the three teams. No, I don't disagree at all. Um, but those two, but you're going to see people fighting now for that to- those top two spots in the coveted first round bye because no yes. one wants to let chaos into the room. And uh, we saw what happened last year when that stuff happens. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, looking over the West, FC Dallas still in first place, still chasing the treble potentially. Um, also, they're only two points ahead of Colorado. Colorado has two games in hand, so there's no guarantee that FC Dallas is even going to take the, uh, the 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 cup at the end of this regular season. No, there's not. Um, Colorado does, Shield. I'm sorry. Yeah, Colorado has the two games in hand. Um, I'm I'm just a huge fan of Dallas and what they're doing. Uh, they've, you know, they were able to transfer Castillo and really not even miss a beat. Uh, I think this is the year that they get over the hump and they win a trophy. I don't know how many trophies they win. Um, I think they look really good for the Open Cup with the way New England's playing right now. And they'll be at home in that game. Uh, supporter shield is a possibility, but like you said, Colorado has got two games in hand. You have Toronto. That's, that's jumping up into that conversation. Uh, MLS cup is, is definitely the toughest of the three. The playoff structure can be really challenging and Dallas has a young team, but they also have a team with, you know, a good bit of experience. They've, they've had two playoff runs in the last couple years. I think this is the year they put it together and I think they can get over the hump and, and win, you know, maybe two or three of those trophies. I'd be fine with that. I mean, I would, I'm the more and more we've talked about, the more and more I get excited about the idea of a team winning a treble. That'd be really fun to watch. Um, but as we kind of take a look going forward now, uh, looking at this weekend, um, a lot of fun games, like you said, Seattle and Portland, whether or not Seattle was looking ahead, you know, that's probably up for debate. Um, New England playing New York and uh, Orlando at New York City. And uh, talk about teams like talk about teams that need wins. It's not just, oh, that team's on the bubble. No, those teams want those uh, points for the f- top two. You know, they're looking for a supporter shield win. They're looking to keep a bye week or they're looking to stay relevant. Yeah, this is where you get into people saying that, oh, there's no pressure in MLS and oh, these games don't mean anything. That's BS. I mean, these games do mean a lot because you look at it, you have the opportunity to get a first round bye and not be in a one and done playoff situation. You don't want to be there. You don't want your season, you know, you don't want a good season where you finish third in your conference to come down to one game. Um, you want to have the, the best of opportunities to move on. And that just puts it down to a total risk. So these games do mean a lot. And then you have the, the teams in the the final playoff spots. And there's a lot of battles there. The West has a ton of positioning for it. So does the East. So there's a lot of games that matter right now. And we'll look at the Sunday games, the national TV games. There's three this week. Uh, yeah. Red it's Bull- a fun week, by the way. It if is. You're like, if you want it, if you want it, whether or not you're an 
a fan who always watches or you're kind of just kind of tip, dipping the toe in MLS, it's a good week to do it. Yeah, these three are good, and the schedule works out really good. So you've got New York hosting New England. Um, New England's really struggling right now. They've they've lost four of their last five. Uh, New York's been really good at home lately. They've won eight of their last nine at Red Bull Arena. Uh, I don't see that tr- those trends changing. I think New York wins this probably 2 nothing would be my guess. Uh, I think the, the big things are going to be New York's just better in the air. That's a weakness for New England. That's going to come back to bite them. And the battle's really going to be on the wings where New York has Mike Grella and Alex Mule and uh, the Revolution have Kellen Rowe, who I actually really like as a player, and Teal Bunbury. I think New York is just playing too well, and I think they're too good anyway for the Revolution. I'm, I'm see. I was sitting about a two-zero win as well. Just like you said, I mean, it's it's all that thing where there's there's no pressure, and then there's the discussion where people say, "Oh, well, that team's at the bottom; they're going to want it more." Like, oh. Top two teams get a buy. Teams at the top are going to want it too. Yeah, there's if, there's uh, lots of spots to fight for. Yeah, if Red Bulls take this and win, and uh, Orlando like puts New York City on hold, that is a either a two point or a one point difference right now because that's it's close and that's going to be a lot of fun. But I was thinking, I was thinking along the same lines. Two O sounds about right to me as well. Okay, Portland, Seattle. What do you think? Uh, honestly, I think we see a l- more of the same from last weekend, where Seattle just keeps punching Portland in the weakness. Now, because it's in Portland, I don't know necessarily that it'll be as kind of a as a you know a running ragged over everybody thing. But I could definitely see Seattle getting out of there with a two one win, or at the very least, getting away, uh, getting away with a point. I don't think Seattle loses this game. I don't think they do either, but I think it's a draw. Um, I'm going two-two on it, and you know, you look, you go back to the trends. Uh, Portland has struggled; they've lost four of their last five. Seattle hasn't lost in five, but they're coming off of that game in Houston that I'm still just not happy with the mentality. Um, I, it's just. It shows, I think, you know, Schmetzer's lack of experience going into that game and making that decision to, you know, kind of punt. I mean, he semi-punted, and that's the thing: is if you're gonna, if you're gonna rest guys, rest a bunch of guys. If it's kind of like when the quarterback takes the snap and Pooch kicks it down inside the ten from his own thirty-five. Kinda. I mean, it's just okay. So now you made your decision. Dempsey will come into this game fresh. Chad Marshall will come into this game fresh. That's nice. What about Nicholas Ladero in this game? You know, he played 90 minutes in Houston. Uh, how is he going to feel? I just, I think you you had a much more winnable game in Houston on Wednesday night, and that was where you should have went for it. And I think it's going to come back to catch up to him here. It wouldn't shock me at all if Portland wins this, but I think it's going to be 2-2. Um I think you're going to see Diego Valeri have much more of an impact on this game because he is going to be completely fresh because Portland did not play in the midweek. So I think it's tough when you have those matchups where you have a team who played Wednesday against a team who has had a week off. 
and that's going to help Portland a lot. And I think it's going to get them over the hump. I think it's going to be a 2-2. I think Seattle is going to rescue a point. Well, I think it's going to be the other way around. I think Seattle will jump out to a lead, and in Portland will catch up to them as the game goes on because they're fresh. Um, and I think Portland's going to come back to get a 2-2 draw. Um, I'm going to take Seattle on the win, straight up 3-2. <clears throat> That's a huge... So. I just think it's going to be... A, a, what, they, what Seattle's running the risk of now is, okay, if they come out of these two games with with two draws. Um, that's kind of a buzzkill. That's going to wreck some of this momentum they've had. And they, they've got to go pedal to the ground the rest of the way. Yeah. There isn't a choice. You don't have time for buzzkills at this point. So they, they have to get three points here or, you know, they screwed up two games by their decisions. And that would be a shame with the way they've kind of bounced back from their start. But, They've they've put everything on this game. So if if you haven't seen a Portland Seattle game, I think this one is especially must see TV. Yeah. Um, and then finally, Jason, the last game, but not the least, New York City and Orlando. New York City gets the win on the road. Um, they made a big statement last week with the win over LA. It wasn't pretty but they grinded out a result. And that's one of those things. I mean, I've said it about pretty much any sport, a team that can, that can figure out how to win ugly is a team that can win a championship. And that was an ugly win, but they got it done. And I didn't know if New York city FC had, had that in them. And they, they showed me, I think I believe in them now to be a a contender the rest of the way. I just, I don't know how Orlando's back line is going to handle New York City FC. I just don't see it. Um, that back four is really bad. Struggling. Bad. It's just, it, I was going to say atrocious, but I don't know if I want to go that far. It's bad. And Kreis, uh can do a lot of things, but he's not going to be able to have a true full impact on that, that team until he gets to overhaul the roster a bit. So I I think it's going to be a, a a two one or maybe even a three one win for NYCFC on the road. Yeah, three one's kind of where I was going. Um, I'll t- I'll take I'll take three two. Orlando like fights back, and New York just kind of puts this whole thing to bed. Um, and I said it tonight earlier, but if you wanted to see defense in Orlando, you should have watched the Miami Atlanta preseason NFL game because you're not going to see defense any other time in Orlando. So yeah, that's a thing. So, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's bad. It's really Orlando. bad. Hey, Orlando can score. They just can't stop you from doing it either. It is. They they are playing like uh, Mac conference football out there. Like we're going to score, and you go ahead and score and give us the ball back faster. So. Pretty much, I I think Christ will will do well with Orlando, but I don't think we'll truly see it until next season. Yeah, and, and and that's not an indictment of him. I think it should be made clear that that's not an indictment of him, that uh, he'll be fine going forward, but he was handed a really rough situation with no defense, and he's doing the best he can. But um, yeah, I'm with you on, on that one. Uh, Orlando loses to New York City FC, who puts the pressure on Toronto. So, But we'll keep an eye on it. We'll see what happens. The uh, We'll check back with this next week and see how Jason was right and I was wrong, because why not? But that about wraps it up, Jason, unless you got anything else. No, no. I'm I'm still mad at Brian Schmetzer. 
No, no breaking news because I got a breaking news on this. I know there's no breaking news tonight. Um, I'm very disappointed. I was I was waiting for something crazy to happen, and I'm coming up with nothing. Sorry. That's okay. Feel free to check us out. Uh, you can always find us on Twitter. Jason Longshore will be found at Longshoe. You can find me, Jarrett Smith, at at Jarrett underscore Smith. We're also available to be found on Dirty South Soccer, where you can always find the podcast, find plenty of things written. Check out at Dirty South, uh, South Soccer as well on Twitter and the website itself. And of course, check out the Peachtree Post on Twitter and on Dirty South Soccer. For Jason Longshore, I'm Jarrett Smith. Thanks for another week. We'll catch up with you next week. So long, everyone. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.